Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the piss, I mean, after party. No. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, I said it. I called the teacher mom, and I called it a piss party. <laughs> oh, no, now they're all going to know that I have pissed before. Amanda's coming in with the wildest energy today. <laughs> I started this call with, what's up, sluts? <laughs> and now I feel like I... I it, Amanda, it's 12 noon for us and 9 a.m. for Brandon. Bring it down. Bring it down. Julia, that, that's where I was coming from is, you know, sometimes we get on the call and we're all like, oh, yeah, dealing with stuff. It's gray outside. Whole just cloud of like ominous orange smoke uh, woke True. me up with a migraine at four in the morning. You know, just like lots happening. And so I thought, you know what? You know what I could really use is like a reset, just like an, an energy gift a la seeing Troy Riptide's ripped torso <laughs> on the dock in the hold. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I'm trying to bring the same thing to you here today. So I think 9 a.m. is the sluttiest time. So it's fine for me, you know? Brandon, yeah. why? Explain yourself. He's never wearing pants at 9 a.m. Mm. That's true. We've never once seen Brandon's bottom half. Who can That's say? That's true. Yeah. It's weird. There was like a like a cartoon cloud hanging around like Brandon waist <laughs> down when I saw him at your wedding. Yeah. The weird. last time you saw me. I, yeah. No, the last time I saw him was before the pandemic. Oh my god, guys. One time I forget <laughs> that Julia and Brandon came to our wedding. <laughs> You know, it's really nice when you have a wedding and you're like, you know, I'm going to spend it with the people that I love and care and I really want to remember that they're there. I do want to point out, and I think all the married people will agree, you don't remember shit about shit during yeah, that time. Totally. And you also end up spending the most amount of time with like a cousin you don't like. Yeah. There like, were some great photos of uh, Brandon and, and the coffee ghost at our wedding, though. That was nice. That's true. That's to true. be fair, the thing I remember most about your wedding, no offense intended, but it will be offensive, is the frozen coffee. Um... Man, that was good. That no, was intended. No offense. When you source something, it's part of you, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, we, we do that intentionally. Mm -hmm. I still can't believe that that happened. It was it was wild. We got like these ice cafe tahini, tahini slushies at our wedding that's from Edith's that I've been drinking since Edith started across the street from the office. So good. We had to rent a whole ass slushy machine. I know. Great. Here's the thing. Jen rented it and Jen's also incredible and, and awesome at her job. Slushy machine, cheaper than you think it would be. Oh. It's like 30 bucks. Hmm. Yeah. What? No, it wasn't it was, a lot. 130 like bucks? 130? Yeah. No, no. I thought it was like less than $100. I thought you said $30. <laughs> I also like, thought wow. you said 30. That is what I said. It oh. is on tape. It was like a It was like 100 or it was less than you think it would be. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember exactly what it was, but when we looked, when Jen was like, oh, we can make this happen, all we have to do is this, and she showed us like the the ledger, the ledgerman, <laughs> they, it was like, oh, that's a reasonable price for renting a slushy machine for one yeah, night. Yeah, I also, she also rented a bunch of other stuff because it was a wedding, so I don't know if it was like bulk priced, but still, pretty good. If it's under $100, yeah. I'm gonna rent one for like a party. I wanna throw a jazz yeah. party this year, y'all. Like, what if I yeah. made like cocktails in the slushy machine? Julie, you should... 100 you should 100 do that. Yeah. 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 Also, because like a lot of these places only do weddings and massive things. I bet if you just got one thing and you picked it up yourself, <laughs> you'd save so much money. Or I'm gonna say that again because yeah. Amanda sneezed in Sorry. the middle. I she called stop. me. I she stop. called me a slut I in the middle stop. of it. Eric, I couldn't <laughs> help myself. I, I feel a like slut. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> a slut. <laughs> Uh, okay, it's the newest TV show from USA Network. Oh, no. It is a detective where every time he's around a murderer, he yells slut. Yep. I'm the detective, mm -hmm. and he's played by Nathan Fillion. Slutterface? Mm -hmm. Not bad. <laughs> it's like a K. It's called Rizzoli and Sluts. Rizzoli and Sluts. 
You saw me drinking coffee. You saw it happen. Uh, no, it's called slut collar. You're right. You're right. Nope. That's something else. Nope, that's something else. I want to point out. This is all I staying in. Here, this is staying in because I did want to talk about this, that we have a totally new recording style that we do now, yes. which I think is leading to this vibe that we're doing, that we're doing here. Law and order SVU sluts. Victims unit. Victims unit. Brandon, that's not appropriate. That's not appropriate, but I appreciate where you were going. I wasn't going to say victims unit. Julia Julia did. It's the same show. Okay, here's the thing. is it So we've been talking about how streaming- It's crime slut investigation. How streaming has changed how we record. But now, and I think this is going to happen in the future, we started we are starting to record as soon as we get on the call. So now, hopefully, a lot of that stuff will come out in bloops now. Yeah. And I think that's... We didn't do that here. And I think that's why it's all coming out. Maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. laughing. Yeah. Julia looks pained. (laughs) Like she's passing a kidney stone of Japes. (laughs) Well, folks, my intended jolt of adrenaline to our system aside. (laughs) It happened. It's everything that just happened was totally my intention. Um, (laughs) We have three great episodes to talk about. It's the end of the book depository arc where we have the hottest of exits and our first ever ship combat. Hey, that was exciting. And our second downtime episode where I think we're really getting into the meat and potatoes and amber and XP of what it actually is in this arc the vibes are good i know that we've only started doing like the groupings of three episodes together recently um this might be my favorite group of three episodes that we've done in my entire time doing join the party oh for sure they're all such very different episodes i can totally see where you're coming from we had a very like an interesting combat in like very traditional D&D sense. We had mm-hmm. the ship battle mechanics, which were really, really interesting and really fun to explore, especially since we hadn't done ship combat before. And then we had a downtime episode where we had a lot of like new interesting things. So Yeah, lots of goofs. Yeah. And also like from my perspective in terms of preparation, like the first one I think kind of paid off the book depository arc. The second one I've been sitting on for weeks. And then the third one is like, oh, I've already set this skill tree up. And now we just go to watch it grow to put a pun on it and bloom and blossom and fruit. I'm sorry. I don't recognize puns that don't involve the word slut now. Yeah, I'm sorry. Only slut. <laughs> I you're going to say, I don't recognize puns that I don't make. That's a real conversation. Also fair. That's fair. Well, let's let's get into the details of these episodes. And then we also have a ton of great questions about the broader world, about the podcast, about our process. So I'm going to make sure we save plenty of time for that as well. But first, let's begin with episode 10, which the second to last book depository arc, and the last one kind of on the main line of the book depository, where we finally confront Tessie the storm. Yeah. Eric, did you know that Piney was definitely like going to turn on us regardless of how we rolled in that kind of persuasion Troy Riptide moment there. Yes. Yes, I did. Something that we got to explore was like Tessie and Piney are very, very close. In my head, they're lovers. I hope yeah. I made that I hope I made that come across. I got romantic vibes from them, especially after Piney was crushed and they were like, save Piney. Right. And I feel like regardless hmm. Not that I was expecting the ceiling to fall down on everybody. Mm. But when you make choices that go against the players or are 
trickery, I guess is no better way. I, I really want to make sure that it gets paid off, right? Or at least it has justification. And the thing that you didn't know is that Piney and Tessie were incredibly close. You only saw Piney in a kind of like administrative role in the beginning of the arc. And then Piney was scary after that. So it's like, okay, maybe Piney has more juice than we think that they do. And then, of course, everything that I had to stick to that. That's why the Tessie interaction happened the way that it is. The reveal that Piney was a magician was something that was revealed. But I kind of was building on that with the avocado man the entire time that I was really that was really interested and excited about. You know what? Now I put those two things together. I was like, why is this avocado man so upset about like magic being used in a pirate crew? And it's because the avocado man probably knew that Piney had some magical abilities, right? I was thinking about that. You know, he didn't know. Oh. I just was, I was something that kept coming up and was the fact that the Avocado Man became incredibly important to this arc in general. And again, because I was pulling the word shark stuff out of, out of my brain while it was happening, it just kind of built itself from there. And then I had like someone who doesn't like magic is there. And I think it would be interesting to pay it off in these various different ways that like, that's why he was up. He probably said something to the wrong person and now he's spider food, right? Yes, I was going to ask as well, like with the avocado person, what did he do to piss Tessie off? And also, who were the other bodies that were in Tessie's office? Because clearly it was the avocado and his spawn, but there were additional bodies in there as well. Uh, I mean, I just wanted Tessie to be scary, yeah. honestly. And then I kind of just put that connection together and then I showed it to you. Various people, various stuff. I mean, I said from the beginning, I wanted, I really wanted Tessie to be scary. And I think that making someone a spider... And having someone be a pirate queen, which we haven't necessarily seen that much. Like, the whole thing with Audrey is a different thing, but Tessie owns an island by herself. And, like, we've already talked about the kind of, like, loose confederation that's in the hold. So Tessie has employees, has a definable, like, flag and place, and I wanted to make sure she was scary. So I think that, like, when y'all were doing those perception checks, I think when Umby specifically, and then Umby looks up... And there's bodies on the ceiling. I thought that that, was, that would be cool and interesting and, it was. and helped illustrate how, how scary and powerful Tessie actually was. Especially because y'all have been threatened by her and her associates for two episodes in a row. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely was. Brandon, was that, did you, did you not know that that was the thing with the avocado? I didn't put together the, the magician stuff. Well, one, I was focused on uh, his wife. But, sure. Uh, yeah. True. I, I was thinking he just didn't like magicians in general, like magicians. I don't know. I didn't put it. I was just like, this is just a cranky old man, you know, like Eric's just playing a cranky old man. No, he was. You're right. I was so happy with the fact that we all interacted with the Avo man for so long. Then I grabbed him and made him yeah. relevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Troy doesn't know what you're talking about. He's never seen that man in his life. <laughs> <laughs> true. That's Fucking fair. true. Do you think that when avocados reproduce, they like release their pit? And that grows into a tree, and then their kids, like, bloom on the tree. Is that how avocado green folk spawn? Like, someone pointed out in the meme, you know, looking at the parents and then the, the offspring that was the child's name. The oh, Orlando, child. yeah. Orlando. Uh, it, it, who knows? Who can say? Who can say? <laughs> I think it was funny. Yeah, sometimes I don't care like what the green folk of the the child of green folk are, but I thought it was funny that like the avocado grandpa had only avocado like grandchildren. Yeah, it yeah. was. It's like it's like recessive genes, you know, like how yeah. my parents hope that they'll have blue eyed grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. 
Eric, I found Tessie, one, I found her very scary. But two, I also found her, like, really interesting. Like, by the end of that arc, I, in particular, like, using Cammy's motivation, but also Julia as a player, was, like, really interested in what her motivations were. Because it seems like, and I know that, like, there's a saying where it's, like, all bad guys should feel like they're actually the good guys. And I was, like, really intrigued, though, by, like, what exactly she wanted to do with her own journey journey in finding the salmon and using these glasses to reset the ring and like I want to know more but obviously she also like is trying to attack us with ships and whatnot so I feel like I can't just be like hey Tessie writing you a letter right now just want to check and see what's up and uh what you meant by resetting the ring what are your intentions Julia that is 100% a thing that Cammy would do yeah you yeah. know I might do yeah. that now now that I say that I might just like casually write a letter like just put it in a bottle and shoot it out into the water exactly and Brandon I'm sure it'll make you super comfortable when we uh, communicate via you know Morse code mirrors and also letters with uh, people who may or may not want to kill us mm-hmm, yeah that's mm-hmm. fine right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Perfect. cool yep cool We'll just invite him over for tea, Julia. Both, yeah. both uh, Aubrey and Tessie. I love yeah. the idea of just coming out and like on the deck, just like Piney's there. You're like, huh? Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, I ag- I agree with that. Troy did not have to find the glasses. I think is what it comes down to, and that certainly set things off in a particular direction. But you know, this one-on-one with Tessie could have went any number of ways, depending on whatever happened, right? Like, really? I think that's kind of, oh yeah, sure. You would have, maybe you would have just had a, a casual one-on-one with a CEO just a uh, using, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like, I mean, that's how it was framed, right? You walk in and you talk to Bob Chapek or, or one of those Disney guys and you just like, <laughs> it's just a one-on-one that you do with VIPs. It could have went totally differently. I didn't necessarily know where it was going to go. That's why D&D's played one wow. session at a time. Dang. One quarter session at a time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's true. But like there, you know, at, at least in Troy's mind, there was absolutely no way that we were giving up those glasses. And not just because he's very into reading, but because he, you know, he could tell how much they wanted them. And that is as good a reason as any for any pirate, I think, to keep it really close to the vest. Yeah. Like seeing this thing has value and being like, oh, I want it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I'd love to know also just uh, everyone. How did you all feel about Tessie, uh, Brandon and Amanda? I definitely found her very scary because she was unpredictable to me. The fact that she at the end sort of made the, you know, the very human call of there is something I care about more than my pride right now. Or we both know what the situation here is. I'm going to come after you. You're going to run. You're going to steal from me. I'm going to try to steal back. But let's sort of like make a, you know, a gentle folks agreement. And, you know, you help out a thing that I actually care about in getting Piney a bit free. And I'll give you a bit of a head start was so logical that it really disarmed me as a player. And I think, you know, Troy took it at face value. Y'all are so wrong about that it's not a gentle folks agreement i don't understand why you think that because <laughs> she didn't like just kill us outright like she could have gotten out and like followed us and like really fucked us up someone but, yeah. being like all right i'm gonna hit you 20 percent less hard is not an agreement <laughs> um i don't 
don't know. It is, though, if you're like, if you're both professional boxers in the ring and you're like, yeah, man, I got to like win for my kid. And the other one's like, yeah, no, if, if I lose, like, it'll be fine because I'm less senior than you. And then, you know, you like you go through the motions and you figure it out like it. We're engaging with other professionals or peers in a way that we haven't in many of our other campaigns before. Like it, yeah, it felt yeah, a little bit true. to me like, you know, talking to Emily in campaign two or sort yeah. of some of these other supers, you know, like negotiating to try to get out of the underground scary government building you know to like at a certain point people are at work and like (laughs) these pirates are at work too and i don't know for me it's like it's very satisfying while understanding that you know if things break bad i'd be like yep fair (laughs) you know i'm not gonna be surprised that this is the wrong call yeah i think there was a certain level of calculated risk to it the agreement should have been well one we should have killed tessie but two. I disagree. <laughs> this person owed us a favor now. Well, then, Brandon, your character shouldn't have been at zero hit points. <laughs> <laughs> Sucks to suck. But the, the agreement should have been, we'll get Piney out, and then you don't send any boats after us at all. None. Not, we'll send them after you 10 minutes after. I want to say two things. One is, both of you have fair points. I think that there is like, it certainly wasn't a great deal that it's like, I'm going to give you a 30 second head start. But then again, maybe that's the best you can get from a pirate queen. Unless she's dead. I will admit, I really wanted to do the ship combat. Oh, no, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did too. Honestly, I really think that Tessie was offering the least amount she could give while still holding face. Yeah. Because, hey, don't you think people are going to hear about the big thing that happened at the book depository, an island that every single pirate goes to. This is like um like a Bucky's exploding or something. Or uh, I'm trying to think because it's like a truck stop or like, like passport control. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of a big deal. So there's a few things happening at the same time. Yeah, totally. But Brandon, you're I, right. Like we had we had all the power. Like we you know had the proverbial like foot on our neck of you know a a person she cared about and like the guns were in our hands. Like that is how this would work out if it was a different kind of action movie. And I think the the most fun thing about playing an actual play show, especially with you know these players and this GM, is that. To a certain extent, all our characters are in different movies, and that makes for very fun interaction. Totally. I'm just saying that if we're in a pirate story, which we are, the thing that we should that we should have done is not trust another pirate, because you should never trust a pirate. <laughs> and so the deal would have been, like, she was going to send ships after us anyway, like, period. And so the only way to get out of that situation without being attacked by ships was to kill her. You know what? But I think the ships would have been sent anyway. Like, I think she probably has, like, protocols in place. I don't think killing her would have, like, solved anything, really, in my opinion, at least. And also, like, Cammie would would never because Cammie is not motivated in that way to kill anyone. Cammie wants everyone to be friends, and that's fine. Yeah, sure, Cammie. But I I would like to point Julia to the not but, like, six months ago when Julia was like, we're going to steal and murder. <laughs> Listen, man, I want you guys to do stealing and murdering. I mean, I'm enjoying the stealing part in particular, and I like conning people out of their amber and stuff like that. And like, Cammy is cool with stealing. That's fine, especially if it's from bad people. But um, yeah, no, I think that the outcome was basically like, no matter what, I think in order for us to have a good relationship with Tessie, and I say good in like quotations yeah, and yeah, like yeah. very nebulous definition of good, mm-hmm. is that she needs to be able to save face in front of her crew. And if we call on her for a favor, she'll be more inclined to help us now. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, yeah. Next time we see her, we'll have the at least like the moral high ground, you know? Right. And it also seems like we're working towards the same goal. Like we do want to, I think for the most part, and we haven't like talked about the motivations of what our characters would do if they got the salmon, but mm-hmm. like we all want to like reset the quote unquote reset the ring, even though we don't know exactly what Tessie means by that. Yeah, that's what I'm curious about. And I, uh, Eric, obviously you can't say anything about this, but yeah, I wonder like if anyone actually cares about resetting the ring. <laughs> Eric's doing a very uh, <laughs> can see a little coquettish, coquettish, coquettish. coquettish the tongue is out, you know. Sorry, I left the. I would have pulled off the gloves seductively. I forgot the gloves somewhere else. <laughs> I'm curious if any of like the other like bad guy pirates or or like more selfish pirates don't really particularly care about resetting the ring versus just getting the wish. Uh, oh yeah, oh, uh, I can say a hundred percent. Oh okay, then yeah, I don't know if if we're working towards the same goal really. It just happens to align down the same path until we get to the end. You know, I, I touched on this a, a little bit, and I think this might come up in future episodes, or we've we've worked it out in play. So I don't know if I'm saying something. I don't think I'm saying anything like groundbreaking or radical here, but like so many action-oriented, combat-oriented campaigns wrestle with why are you an adventurer, right? Usually that's in high fantasy, but that touches on other genres as well. well. Why do people become pirates? 50 years ago, when the bell rings, people, why do you go out there? And then it's been out there for so long. I think that's also the big difference, and we touched on this between Umbi's backstory and when Umbi started being a pirate and when Troy's being a pirate. I mean, Umbi's literally been dealing with the Cascade from the beginning and Troy became a pirate like six months ago. So we are already seeing it in our own crew, the different views of what is happening on the Great Salt Sea. Everyone has a different reason for becoming a pirate, whether it's high-minded or not, or if everyone, anyone even believes the salmon exists. Yeah, true. It's true. For me, I, I was really surprised and pleased to see that Tessie, you know, has some kind of broader interest. She's not I think trying to go after it for like just riches or whatever. She's got that. I imagine that it's more like a titan of industry who is also invested in climate change because they have a lot of like waterfront property or whatever, you know, where wait, why do you imagine that? What's the, because she wants to reset the ring specifically. You guys didn't go to Lake encounter. So that's also a big (laughs) question mark. Did she say she wanted to reset the ring? Did I miss that? Yeah. So at at the end, right? Like at the end of um yeah. of giving us the glasses, oh, like no yeah, matter yeah, what yeah. you do, you know, like go, you know, go Re- go ahead like, and do it. And fl- reset, re- it reset the table. Yeah. Reset the ring and flip yeah. the and flip the table. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then I think I think Cammy literally said the table needs flipping, and then just walked away. Yeah. There are a bunch of pieces. She only showed you what showed you. She was intimidating you. And again, the whole thing with like encounter and what the bamboo bartender said, like that's a big question mark. Yeah, that's true. Man, I want to go to like encounter so bad. I know. Maybe one day we'll return. Oh, we will. A hundred percent. We have to. I can't live without knowing. Since we're talking about this, I do want to point out something that was in the Discord from Plate, who is catching up. Oh, yeah. Plate was talking about Bookie and told me about Salmi, the song singing book. <laughs> that That is a mascot from like a Christian, like an evangelical theme park. It seems like they fit <laughs> to. Let me see. Hold on. It is wild. I, I put a screenshot in the after-party document. It's at the it's bottom. truly yeah. incredible. This mascot is salty with a silent P for Psalms. Oh, salty. Uh, that was it. I, oh, I thought it was salmi. That's even worse than no. salty. That's terrible. I've never <laughs> seen this. And uh, from the reacts, several people have. But this was not my corner uh, of Christianity that I grew up in. Man, this is amazing. I'm just going to really quickly read the TV tropes about salty. In the 1970s, Christian praise leaders Debbie Kerner and 
Ernie Rettino were making albums of praise music and decided to try putting an album together specifically for kids. They made it appealing by mixing in some cartoonish sounds with children's church music, creating Oof. a cartoon mascot called Salty the Singing Songbook and by giving each album a narrative. So that's where he comes from. Oh, it's man. weird to me that this is an evangelical thing because I'm pretty sure that that is the devil incarnate. <laughs> it does look like a horrifying creature. Yes. Yeah. In my head, so Salty has his face. I assume it's a man. <laughs> so Salty I think that's has... fair. It's evangelical. It's absolutely a man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. On the spine of the book, in my head, Bookie's face was on the, the, the cover. Face, yeah. yeah. Mine too. Which I thought was interesting. I just think this is all, I mean, it's haunted and I, I love it. So thank you, Plate. Incredible. Oh boy. If any of you uh, listening out there, if like a parent or an aunt um, or uncle played Salty at wherever this IRL situation was, we want to know about it. I do. But yes. listen, guys, uh, we got into uh, a bit of a scrape out on the open seas doing ship combat. Woo! Combat, ship combat, 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 combat. Woo! And I want to know all about it. Uh, first, if we hadn't had that head start, maybe it was just narrative flavor. But Eric, were there any sort of ways with mechanics that you dealt with having a bit of a head start? No, I just thought it was like a Pokemon battle sure. where someone looks cool. at you and then it's happening. That's like the whole thing. Yeah, that's the whole thing of like why it's like combatant versus combatant. Why it's like the Sea Whip versus yeah. the Nina the Pinta yes. and the Spider Maria <laughs> and not like all the ships at the same time. So that's that. Yeah. Extremely good. Eric, I want to know about how you did it. Can you tell me how you made it? Um, I guess I've been toying with how we were going to do ship battles for a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, there isn't anything necessarily good in like baked in the actual game. In Dark Matter, which is the sci-fi setting from Machan Press, there's like some really, really crunchy ship mechanics. I also know that there's ship mechanics from Star Wars 5e, which Julia, I know you might have, I think you've dabbled with a little bit with the, the campaign you have with Misha. Yep. And like, again, they've done it on um, Star Trek Odyssey. Yeah. So they've done it before. It felt a little too crunchy for what we were trying to do and what we yeah. always do with combat here. And I've been really wrestling with like, what is tabletop RPG resolution and what I've understood is like you play a game to tell a story right and I think that that's what I'm trying to drill down on so I wanted to use a different type of mechanic that would elicit wins losses and ties and it just so happens that rock paper scissors worked really well um, <laughs> and I was I was toying around with that and then I wanted to like make sure all of you had stuff and also to kind of mitigate what's happening here with the digital, the fact that Julia's in Long Island and Brandon's in uh, Seattle and Amanda is um, hanging out with the sluts. So eighteen I, inches away you, from Eric's face and all time. That's me, yeah, it's me. I'm talking about myself. <laughs> you so are the sluts. I, so I also like wanted to make cards and I, I did that on Canva and stuff and I wanted to, and I sent this stuff to you a, a really long time ago. So it's something I wanted to keep in my back pocket that I was ready to do whenever we were going to do it. Um and being able to send it to you and let you have it in your hands was really, really fun and I'm stoked on that. It sounds like it was sort of like top down, like you had a like a goal or like a outcome you wanted to achieve via the ship mechanics like what was that thing that you were trying to then backfill with game yeah the goals that i wanted was one i needed ship mechanics right i needed ship combat mechanics but then two i wanted it to be smooth and narrative and i wanted it to be a team game that's why mm. i kept that's the whole emphasis on this game about manning your station is like either you can go do something else but if you do that then you're not working on the ship I really love that from Starstruck Odyssey like when uh, when Lou's character is like doing 
high level math while everyone's shooting stuff, mm-hmm. I thought was really interesting, and I wanted everyone to like participate, and that's why um, it's kind of like the ship acting as one together, and I wanted to give you all special moves. I also wanted the ship to have HP, which is something I thought was really important, especially in terms of like the shipwright as a feature of the skill tree. So I was thinking about that and everything we've learned from Monster of the Week. I was really excited about, and then I ended up working with Mage Hand Mike on like what resolution should be. And I think that that's where we ended up coming with success, mixed success, and then success for the enemy. Nice. Because, um, you know, players want to, not want to win. It, it, uh, well, you know, yeah, we do. <laughs> but originally I had ties and like we would just re-roll. And I thought that that was less interesting yeah. than that. That was less interesting. I like the mixed mix success mechanic and the fact that I could hit you within with one HP down every time I thought was really important. Especially after yeah. playing Monster of the Week. It feels like, yeah, you take your lick sometimes, but it, it's in favor of advancing. Like you do it for a reason, which feels like giving players more agency, which I like. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I again, yeah, the monster of the week. At the minute you were like, and then there's a mixed success. It's like, we learned how to do this already. Yes. <laughs> right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was a lot of referencing things you already knew how to do, which was rock, paper, scissors, and then resolution, right? That's why the game mechanics felt like that. It's like, prepare, do your things, and do your special abilities. Uh, and then below that is rock, paper, scissors, and then it's narrative resolution, and then we go again. Yeah. Have you posted photos of the rock, paper, scissors card somewhere yet? Yeah, they're all over there on the socials and they're on the website. They're so pretty. They are are so pretty. And um, Eric Mage Silverleaf in Discord wants to know, you said you sent the envelopes to players a while ago. How long have you been sitting on this giggling to yourself? Because we all know you were definitely giggling to yourself. (laughs) That's true. God, I took screenshots of this stuff. I think y'all got these in April, right? Like early April. Sounds right. Yeah. 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 And we played this episode in kind of mid-May. So a good month there that we had them in hand. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. So, yes, I was giggling to myself. I mean, you know, you do stuff for your players so then you, you have fun, but you do stuff for you, which is that I get to, th- <laughs> I, you, y'all have to sit with that. I, yeah. my question to you three is what did you think was in the envelopes? I thought it was going to be like a secret thing where it's like, ah, yes, you roll the dice and you look at this person and they say to you, now open your envelope. That's your secret. You know what I mean? Mm. Like sometimes like a DM will like slide you like a piece of paper to tell you a secret when you're at like a table or something like that. I thought it was going to be something like that. But like, listen, new game mechanics. I'm always excited. The listeners can hear me scream. The stakes of rock, paper, scissors have never been higher. (laughs) I know. Obviously. I was like, wait, if you take away one option, we have a 50-50 chance of getting it right. (laughs) It's at least a mixed success. Yeah. I want to point out that that only stacks if Julia rolls a 10, if Julia has a 10% chance of rolling a 19 or a 20, then that's when you can definitively stack the tassiography on top of the double down. It was it was exactly enough math for my brain to handle, so I much appreciated that. I was wondering if it'd be something along the lines of parts of a code or a puzzle and needing to kind of fit those together by collaborating with each other. And maybe like our characters would think that they had to keep it a secret, but actually the trick was putting them together. So I, I knew each of us had it, and I thought it might be like a slightly different, you know, physical object that we had to sort of collate or figure out how they fit together. Like a cipher or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this was dope as hell, and they look beautiful. Yeah, I thought it'd be something along those lines of like maybe like a treasure map or something. But I was hoping that it would be a card that you would mail to me previous to this recording. Not this one, but the the recording that I'm going to mention that said, you will blow up the (laughs) ceiling of the book depository. (laughs) And then I'd be like, how did you know? (laughs) I want to also say, I know we've moved on. I have no problem with that narrative choice. 
That was funny. Oh, and also, like, I also want to point out, because I didn't say this explicitly, but I had in my head, that ceiling had a lot of HP. Umbi has a thing where he does double damage to structures. So when I gave you the, I think the we said that the, the ceiling had like 40 or 45 or 50 HP, double that. Like that thing, this is a real building that Umbi blew up with his terrifying and powerful bombs, and it took two. Like, that's saying something. So I, I have absolutely no problem with how that all shook out. And it, listen, we all rolled like garbage except for Troy. I rolled like garbage for at least three NPCs. So, like, and then Julia rolled badly and Umbi rolled badly. Like, that's how it do. That's how the dice do. Like, you can only control so much. My favorite part of that whole thing, and then we'll move on, was Brandon yes. saying, no, no, let me go first. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do this first. <laughs> no, the thing Brandon said was, no, let me go first, because you guys will do things based on what I do. And we're and like, we yes, sure Brandon, we, we sure did. We did. We sure we did. did. Again, I thought that I would take away the radius of the bomb and just make a single hole in the ceiling, and then we could use it to escape. No, absolutely not. You keep underestimating how much damage your bombs do to structures. And like, you have a whole feature that says it does double damage to the structure. But to my defense, a lot of video games, you throw a bomb at a wall, it blows a hole in the wall, it doesn't blow up the wall. You know what I mean? We Shout did. out to Big Chan Mike who explicitly said it was a 10 foot <laughs> radius in the book. We did, however, have some evidence to the contrary when we were leaving Eska Island and uh, all of the like sap blew up when we were going for the cash register. So. Mm. Hold on, hold on. Did you just say that it's a 10-foot radius? I think so. No. Whatever it is in there. Is it a 5-foot radius? So that means it's a 10 diameter? I, I think it's a diameter. I don't remember exactly. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I just like, that, yeah, I yeah, was yeah. just like, that means it's 20 feet. That's the so thing much that, space. The thing I was, the point was it was the same size as the room. I said it, ex I ex said it explicitly. I understand that, but I took away the radius. I can do that. But it doesn't matter, like... If if you blow up a thing and then lose the structural integrity of the thing, then yeah, it's gonna it's gonna yeah go that's gonna yeah that was why yeah, it had yeah. so much HP. That's why it had yeah. so much HP. Ah uh, yes, okay. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> not gonna harp on Brandon's bombs anymore. It was great. I love excellent. I loved it. It was great. I honestly can't imagine how that scene would have gone if you hadn't blown up the ceiling. Now, like I, I had plans, but it worked out better this way. I think almost besides us both getting absolutely crushed by rubble. But <laughs> I'm surprised. I mean, honestly, it would have been a problem. Because though, uh, hey, here's the thing. Piney is a powerful magician. Mm -hmm. And those trees were messing all of you up. Yeah. What's the class you're using for magician? Are you using wizard or something? Remember, I don't use classes for NPCs. Because oh, I can yeah, do whatever I want. A magician is kind of like, there's a question later. Actually, can you talk about mm -hmm. the magic in Vertistello? Yeah. Kazi asked, it's come to my attention that we haven't actually seen much magic, aside from Cammy's tea magic, which seems very subtle. With Piney literally growing a forest, I have to ask, how common is magic in Vertistello? Is it used all around the world or only in specific places? Yeah, I mean, like, it's truly like a weird and wild place out on the Salt Sea. And I think that there's a lot of things where it's like, I don't know, what do you know? Like, you know, it's not like high fantasy where like, mm. I mean, like, even in Lord of the Rings, like, Gandalf is very important. Right? Like, who's someone who's that powerful who's out there doing stuff? Like, Sauron, there's a reason why he's up at the top, right? Because he's yeah. a very powerful dude. At that point in the in the timeline, magic is very rare in yeah. Middle Earth, yeah. Yeah, and I think that there's something similar about it being, like, it's like a weapon. It, it's like a weapon, right? And it's if you have power, you are more powerful. When you have powers, and we touched on this in campaign too, you are more powerful 
than the regular person in it as much as people try to like hoard stuff. But I think it's also like a little scary. In One Piece, which is something that I'm very inspired by, is like, you know, a devil fruit and getting the power from the devil fruit is scary. Mm-hmm. Yes, from no, that's the devil's fruit. I don't oh. get any. I don't get any powers for eating coconut. Um, when you eat and then you get a power, it's scary and like, and it, it, it kind of changes the power dynamic of anything you're in. It's like, oh, I can have a hundred men and one guy, but if the one guy has a power, it's over, right? Especially if, if they're very powerful. So I think that being a magician, I thought was kind of like this murky arcane designation that was put on to someone like Piney who made something appear while and you know we have witches we've seen this from Baba Rutabaga and the curses that she puts on other people and this is what Cammy's doing I mean people have stuff and I, I think it's a little bit more squishy but having power capital P power whatever that means is important when you're kind of out on the Great Salt Sea. Yeah. And in, in my mind, all of the different nations sort of deal with power in their own ways. Like in open fields, you have religion kind of placed on top of just the existential horror yes. of growing stuff that looks like you and mm-hmm. how to deal with that in overstock. You, you know, very uh, sort of like intellectualize and, and have, you know, systems and focus your energies on other things in the crags. It is all about, you know, you and your particular environment, uh, you know, just surviving. And then kind of that's where all the, the power is kind concentrated. Yeah, you just survive it. You intentionally live next to it because even if it's scary, you need it. Yeah, and Hothouse has civil service and structures. And so I think the idea of pirates more generally, but especially magic, is kind of like, man, if someone's operating outside all of these strict systems and I can't kind of put you into that box, I don't know what the hell to do with that. And that is very scary. Yeah. Yeah. Piney is also like different. I mean, you could tell. Piney is is doesn't look like a lot of the green folk we've seen before. Piney also can't see. We we don't know what's going on with the silk that's wrapped around their eyes. Like you know, Piney stands out in more ways than one. I mean, it's a cool fashion statement. Number one, it is. I like for it, sure. But we totally got distracted from ship battle, though. No, no, <laughs> no. It's no, it's yeah. fine. Yeah, but no, the ship battle. I just was trying to do something narrative that everyone knew how to do, and just kind of like bearing it out in a little ways. I think also just like making the sea more interesting because it's like, oh, hey, there's an archipelago go over there if you want it. It helps us narrate what's happening by using the success makes success, success for the other team mechanic in that like you you tell me what you want, tell me what you want, and I respond or I tell you what's happening um, is kind of is also the thing that makes it all happy. And again, winning is not killing the other team. It's not being in combat anymore. I spent a lot of that episode just like very seriously thinking about all of the like pirate and ship media that I've ever consumed. It's so great. I loved it. <laughs> Julia, you came the hell through. It was awesome. I loved that like darkening and dampening of the ship's light. Thank you. Yeah, yes, I read it. I read that one in a, in a book. Um, book about barrels? Book about barrels? No, it was a book about ships. Uh, book about boats. But Eric, were there any opportunities that you were kind of planning on giving us at, during the ship combat? Or were you, for the most part, just kind of going off what we decided to do and reacting to our choices? The only thing that I prepped with is special abilities of the Nina the Pinta and the Spider Maria, which was being able to <laughs> fling. If you shot a cannonball, it could fling it back. So mm-hmm. that was the only thing I prepped. I said explicitly that that the enemies had special abilities as well. So I just trying to, I wasn't going to make a game, make you play it, and then say, surprise, motherfucker, I planned something else. Like, yeah. I was really trying to meet you where it was because we were doing something new. Gotcha, gotcha. 
And we did indeed get away and sailed off home to the holds. But folks, let's just take a quick little break. I'm going to refill our dip trio uh, with some more pinto bean dip. uh, And I will be right back. What about the spider Maria dip? That's the chips, Julia. That's the chips. Hey, it's Amanda, and welcome to the mid-roll. I think this campaign is making me more of a bug person, which I am really here for. I've always loved, you know, butterflies and bumblebees, the the, the cute bugs to like. But I saw a little uh, inchworm the other day in, uh, like, some soil around a tree bed, and I was like, hello, friend. What area of Verticello are you from? So here is to uh, having a more open attitude to all of the creatures that roam the earth. Welcome back. Welcome as well to our newest patron, Shannon. Shannon, I hope you enjoyed the Battle of the Brontes one-shot derby finale that came out a few days ago. The video is so crisp. Uh, Shout out Eric Hamilton Schneider for uh, helping me make sure it was as good as possible. Uh, A crisp 11 gigabytes, a crisp 1080p. People, you have to become a patron to listen to and watch, available for all patrons, the video, uh, the finale of the one Chad Derby, where we played Victorian children, and we'll tell you more about it later in the after party. But God, it was so fun. It's a full 90 minutes, a tight 90, you might say. And I loved it. And the reactions are pouring in. People loved it too. So if you have been thinking about joining the Patreon, wondering about it, you're like, oh, yeah, the Discord is amazing. I get that. But like, do I really want another place to hang out online? No judgment. You can just join and watch the One Shot Derby and then enjoy party planning instead. More join the party content for you. And listen, every single week that we do this, that we stream, that we put out party planning, it's all because of you. And it makes us better and better at what we do. So if you like this, if you want more join the party. And if you want to help us keep going and growing, go to patreon.com slash join the party pod. We would also love if you could text a friend about Join the Party. Whether or not you can support us financially, the best way to help the show grow is to sit one person down in your life, virtually or in person, and say, listen, this is the deal. This is the podcast. Let me start in episode one. You will love this tea witch, this himbo, this old, old man. Uh, Whatever you think will ensnare your friend, tell them and get them started. It is so helpful and so heartwarming to see you share your friend's reactions as you get them into the show on social and in the discord so it's huge help and it costs you nothing but it gives us so much so go ahead sit them down and text them the link to join the slash start it is busy over at Multitude. We have new hires. We're working on new projects. And this week, I want to make sure that you check out Spirits. This is the show that Julia and I have been working on for seven years and counting. It is, of course, a history and comedy podcast focused on everything folklore, mythology, and the occult. And we so often focus on things like feminism, queerness, and modern adulthood, basically asking why the stories that mean stuff to humanity mean things to us and why we keep them going after centuries and centuries of time. We have so much fun. We have been doing a great job, I must say, and by we, I mean Julia, uh, in researching new episodes. We've done a ton of episodes recently on the tropes in fairy tales. We've talked about true names, about fairy tale towers, and I know Julia has some incredible stuff up her sleeve. So come on over. You can start listening with any of the 340 plus episodes that we've released over the last seven years. There's a ton to enjoy, and you can do it in any order you want. Go to spiritspodcast.com or search for spirits wherever you download your podcasts. 
We are sponsored this week by Quest Chest from Bookworm Games, which they sent us their previous two Quest Chests in the mail, and they are beautiful. The wax seals, the real paper, the candles, they're so beautiful. And Bookworm Games, of course, makes modules and TTRPG accessories. And right now, they are taking out this ad because they are running their first ever Kickstarter for their third ever Quest Chest. This is a system agnostic TTRPG module with both physical and digital stuff. The physical stuff includes props, puzzles, and the digital includes narrated voiceover, music, and more, including fully statted out encounters in D&D 5e, Pathfinder 2e, and Powered by the Apocalypse for levels 1, 3, 5, and 7. It is really amazing stuff, and I love that each quest chest comes with five full sessions. You can run each of the first four sessions independently or tie them together with the fifth session bringing together all of those narrative through lines. It is so cool and the quality is great. So go to bookwormgames.com. That's bookworm with a Y, B-O-O-K-W-Y-R-M, games.com to back the Kickstarter or buy the previous two quest chests. And plus, check out all their cool extras like dice, accessories, even D&D candy. Once again, that is bookwormgames.com. This show is also sponsored by BetterHelp, and we all know how easy it is to get lost in what everyone else needs from you and run from thing to thing and helping person after person and look up several hours or even days or even weeks later and be like, wow, I can't remember the last time I did one thing for me. And I know that for me, it is really only in therapy that I get to focus on and have someone else ask me questions about what I'm doing for myself and how I think that driving myself into the ground to the benefit of all those around me is actually affecting me and the people closest to me. Listen, it's not the way to be helpful to people in my life to make myself exhausted and, uh, you know, have only kind of dregs left at the end of the day. And I'm really grateful that when I could not access therapy near me at an affordable way with a person I got along with who was taking new patients, I was able to get support via BetterHelp. And if you are trying to start therapy in a way that is easy, convenient, and entirely online, it can be really, really helpful. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash join the party today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash join the party. And finally, we are sponsored by Gender Spiral, a new podcast about all things gender. Through interviews with folks across the gender identity spectrum, they explore what it means to be a human in our modern gendered world. Now, this show is hosted by two people, one of whom I'm pretty sure you may have heard about, Allie Beardsley, a comedian and actor who you may know from Dimension 20 over on Dropout and other college humor work. And their co-host is Babette Thomas, an artist, radio producer, and researcher extraordinaire. Both Allie and Babette are non-binary people, and they are together on this podcast to go on a quest to explore topics surrounding identity and gender by interviewing the people who are experts in the topic, aka queer and trans people. Trans and queer folks are constantly examining their experiences moving through life in a society focused on very binary definitions of gender. And I think that no matter whether you are queer, trans, non-binary, gender, non-conforming or cis, you can learn something about ideas of gender and how gender roles influence all of us in our modern world. No matter your identity, Allie and Babette invite you to join them on their gender journey. So go ahead and look up Gender Spiral in your podcast app. They are releasing episodes every Tuesday starting June 6th. 
And now let's get back to the show. All right, folks, we are back, and uh, it's time to talk about our downtime episode. Where good, because I'm full of dip now. So good much dip, so many beans. Got to walk it off, Brandon. Got to stretch it out. Uh, Got to go ahead and dig for some treasure. Brandon, how does it feel to finally know uh, that the treasure's <laughs> on the map and that you were pranked by Fun Mandy Potash? It feels great now because now I know that every time I do it in the future, something will be in the chest or whatever. Yes, it's true. Right. It's I true. did say explicitly only one of them had nothing. You're right. Yeah. You, so you got rid of that one out already. Yeah. And yeah. it's only treasure from now on. Eric, I think, Eric, I don't know if you actually did, but it seemed like Eric felt so guilty because he's like, one, I'll give you something. I'll give you like something. You were yeah. genuinely but sad. Like, it yeah. was fun for me. I was like, this is hilarious. This is very good. I got a tight chest and a funny note. <laughs> Can I tell you explicitly what my notes say? Yeah. yeah. If you roll four on the dig, it just says empty. In my notes. And then I'm like, wow. I have to have something else. Why is it empty? And then the whole thing with the but, funny Manny Potash note ended up being interesting. But it had so much plot ramification. I know. I, I was not seeing I that coming. I did not wow. see that coming at all. Well. Yeah, no, I uh, I did feel bad. I did feel bad. <laughs> I, the note. I don't know why you did it. I thought it was funny. It was really funny, and I'm really glad that we that we did that. Like, I, it was a great use of the glasses. We got some information, and we got to get that scary rhyme. I think all rhymes are scary to D and D players. Uh, get in touch. Oh that's yeah, how I no, feel I it. wanted to tell. Yeah, that happened. I can't believe that happened at the end of the ship yes. battle episode. That when when y'all we had enough time to see that. Yeah, and we didn't even talk about the mysterious light that may or may not have been my best friend, Audrey. So, Oh, my God, that's right. I know yeah. that I am totally into us meeting up with, and Brandon uh, probably rightly thinks it will be dangerous. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to kill the pirate queen. You want to go talk to the mysterious light that Eric yeah. described as one of the dangly things off a giant fish that eats you. Uh-huh. Uh, I think necessarily that's what happened. We don't know that. We're that close to the surface. That's true. That's true. I don't know. The author's dead. Eric can shut the fuck up. Who knows? <laughs> <what he's saying? laughs> that's, that's very funny. Y'all are the nicest, most trusting pirates to ever sail the salt sea. There's a reason, Brandon. It's not like I'm just choosing to be, you know, a, a, a thembo and you know, very nice, <laughs> like me. I'm really excited about the keys. I'm super stoked about it. I kind of wanted to kick the salmon thing into high gear. It seems like we were kind of just like feeling out the world a little bit, but now we have like a real main quest path, I guess, if if we were playing Zelda. Yeah. I don't know if, uh, I'm curious to see what you say about this, Eric, if it's just like a hoop and say, or if if you can clarify. I'm curious because it's not 100% clear in text, you know, quote unquote text. Yeah if the keys directly relate to the salmon and the wish, we can assume they do, but they potentially could. Yeah, I think you can assume they do. Well, that was the point. I mean, it's on the same stone. So okay. I I did want, I think that would be really mean of me if it wasn't like, it's like, no, this is for another thing. No, I mean, like, you know, it could be a separate part of the quest, you know, or like a, a part along the way to the quest or whatever. I, it's related. It's on the, it's on the road. In the way that uh, Tears of the Kingdom is laid out, there's like a bunch of main quests. It's mm-hmm. like there's a category of main quests. Like the main one is like, help Zelda, kill Ganon. And then there's like a bunch of other stuff below that. So I think it's all kind of like in the main quest barrel. Uh, or a category. Um, oh, like the Book of Barrels. The book yeah, of it's barrels. like the Book of Barrels. Yeah. The, the keys feel very much to me, because I'm still playing Breath of the Wild, yeah. um, feel like the Divine Beast 
like main quest arcs rather mm. than like the go defeat calamity ganon so like finding the wish granting salmon is the defeat calamity ganon and then right getting all the pieces together by doing the divine beast arcs is the keys for us i was just really interested in this being like something that not everyone knew that like mm. that's why Tessie was being so cagey about everything and why the glasses were important and the stuff that she had were all important. Like, I wonder how many people know about the keys. So I wanted to make this clear because some people had asked about this in, in the Discord and I was being kind of subtle about it. There are four keys. Yeah. Cause I wanted like the I wanted it to match the rhyme. Cause it's it's a key in the sky, a key for a maze, a key that shmeh shmeh, 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 shmeh. So I want you to assume that there are four keys, but the you know, like you have no indication about what that fourth one is. Mm-hmm. It would be so funny if the rhyme scheme was A B A A B A Q. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a key in the sky, a key for a maze, a key that shmeshme, and also a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, right? But I I do want to know, Julia, as did Malignant Sloth in Discord, um, how's Kenny feeling after putting the glasses on? That scene was incredible and made me feel so many goosebumps like I was watching a movie. But how did Kenny feel coming out of it? Fine. I think the, like what you guys have to remember is Cammy specifically in her build has a thing against like getting weirded out by weird shit. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah. everything's fine. You know, Cammy's right. just like chill and she's like, oh, this is a new experience. Great. That was so much fun. I'm just putting this together now that like Cammy is like one of her defining traits is their ability to adapt to things. And mm-hmm. one of the defining traits of Umbi is his like extreme reaction to things yeah Um, yeah so that's interesting i don't know i'm just putting that together just going with the flow bro yeah that whole scene was so much fun to do of like immediately doing like um a wandavision situation yes where it's like oh boom it's the 1950s because i said so exactly (laughs) like it's just fun it was just fun to do with all the peas and carrots it was great although i'm even realizing now that you said there was poodle skirts and i don't know what the fuck a poodle is eric Oh, it doesn't have the poodle on it. It's the poodle skirt is the is the skirt itself. The shape. I think it has it, it's like a, it's a whole wheat poodle. Whole, yeah. <laughs> no, but that was just fun, and you like and you learning about that and just being able to go. It was it was just really. Fun. I like guys. It was it was. I mean, like, I was freaked out. It yeah. was like hearing the code coming out of the uh, over the airwaves on Lost. Like that was the <laughs> amount of just visceral. Like my body knows this is wrong, and I I was like I was I was transported. I was glad I wasn't in the scene because I was just sitting here like full goosebumped in a way that was extremely I don't know uh, transporting. It was amazing. I, I loved it in the moment. Realizing exactly what those glasses did, like back a couple episodes, was like the coolest fucking thing ever. Yeah, Thank you. I think that hit me in that moment instead of when I was actually in the scene. It hits you like a researcher's delight does. Woo. Oh, yeah. Woo! You know, baby. Well, it's because the first one was on a cooking show set. Yeah. And then it's yeah. like, what the fuck is this? Yes. And then since then, like, having the, the really murkiness of Fun Mandy Potash's bad handwriting and now this other one that was all yellowed and smudged. It's been really fun kind of, like, literalizing what that means. We're feeling the limits of it. Yeah. 
Speaking of drinks that hit you like a wrecking ball, Muscatato would like to know, was Harold always going to drink the potion? And what would have happened if one of the PCs had instead? A lot of people asked this question. Yeah, Saved Man did. Um, was the shipwright always going to be a shadow? And Sebalicious was also like, what if Troy drank it? What would have happened? I don't think you would have let that happen, right, Eric? What do you think would have happened? My impression, and I'm curious to see what you think about this. My impression was that, like, you weren't 100% sure what we were going to choose on the skill tree, right? Because why would you? And you needed to make a ship right when we decided to do that. And you had a good idea to make, like, a Shadow Herald. And you thought of a cool way to do it. Like, a fun way to do it. I think you made the potion as a way to get to there. I don't think you made the potion and then from the potion still came because there was a reason that like Harold literally grabbed it out of Troy's hands or whatever it was I was surprised by that maybe I was not following or I was gullible but I (laughs) it didn't even occur to me like I thought Harold was just being you know his saucy self uh and and wanted to grab at a drink that might have given Troy those abilities instead it was not trying to metagame that was just my impression Yeah, no, I I was surprised too. I I love it, and I love Sil. Uh, and Julia Siltbio was a, an incredible name, and uh, I'm <laughs> very very uh, again put on edge slightly by the voice effect that Brandon put on Eric's voice for Sil. But Eric, what was your intention? What was your thought? Julia, what do you think would happen? <laughs> uh, we would have gotten a Shadow Troy, and he would have been a great himbo in, in our ship right the entire time. That would have been cool. Because it was the, it, if I remember correctly, it was the same like type of magic as when Cammy does her uh, duplicity hacks. So yeah, we probably just would have gotten a shadow version of whoever drank the thing. In this case, it was Harold. All right, skip forward thirty seconds if you want the magic of DMing kept <laughs> kept together in your mind. In your mind, if you'll think Eric's a more impressive DM, if you don't know what the answer is, skip forward. Yes, seconds. go to page fifty-two. <laughs> if you want to hear my explanation. Oh no, Eric Eddie. died on that page. Oh no, he fell off a cliff. Go back, There's, go back, go back. <laughs> there was a trap below you, and you died. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know what to say. I mean, yeah, the thing is, is that you spent the money on a ship, right? I had to give you that, right? Right. So just doing what was fun. Like, yeah. who knows? Yeah. If someone really wanted to drink it, something different would have happened. But, yeah. like, I kind of went into it that, like, Harold wanted to do it. Harold wanted to drink it, especially because everyone else is – Harold has to, like, stand the ship and, like, do ship stuff. It's like, well, then I'm getting a special thing this time. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. No, it was great. Sorry. None of that was critique, by the way. I loved it. No, I don't think it was critique. Okay, I don't think okay. it was critique. It's just, like, sometimes when I explain this stuff, it's like – you really want to go behind the small world after all ride? Like yeah, some yeah. of you I know will appreciate how the mechanics fit together, but other of you will uh, be kind of, be it kind of, it off. takes yeah. the shine off. It, it, you lose the magic. Also, so many of you keep sending me that goddamn Instagram real TikTok of that one tall, skinny white guy saying it's like it's like oh i stole my dm's binder and then opens it up and then it's red light and it says it's blank and he looks stupid for 10 seconds y'all keep doing it then don't listen to these episodes if you want the magic of dming kept i'll tell you if you want to improve your game but like it's a combination of putting a lot of work into things that need to be prepped ahead of time and a lot of energy expended to do things on the fly it's both yeah yeah 
very early on in the show, you described DMing as you experienced it so far for the podcast as like preparing a bunch of different cards and the deck can be shuffled in any order. And that that has been a metaphor that's really worked for me going on where, you know, there are tools and then you adapt them to what the situation calls for. It's like you're doing your mise en place and then you can like use your little garnishes as you need to, you know, as the orders come in. And I think that's a lot more flexible. And for me, at least makes me feel like there's no wrong answer that I can, you know, pursue things. I can go after things and I know that you know the railroad tracks you have all the parts you need in your backpack and you're going to lay them down in front of us as we're going yeah Eric this is I've been watching a lot of Top Chef lately you know when Tom Colicchio like looks at a dish he's like this has been tweezered to death mm-hmm. that's how I feel like some people expect DMs to do things but mm-hmm. no sometimes it's just like why do I have to tweezer this thing it's still going to taste fucking good when you eat it all together you know I agree I love talking about this stuff and Brandon you're right that's 100% how I look at it. And you've been listening to me talk about this stuff for six years. It's, yeah, a, yeah. it's certainly not a criticism. I just do the thing that makes you all happy. Yeah. And I have a bunch of different tools that I can do that, whether it's prepped or not prepped. Here's the thing. Here's a, here's a really good example of this. I didn't know that Cammy was going to jump into the newspaper immediately. Mm-hmm. I had the newspaper prepped. I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like. And I'm like, okay, it's the 1950s because I think this will be fun. Yeah. But I did know what was on the stone tablet. I also had prepped a ton. I had the the chip mechanics in my back pocket for months. And uh, same thing with the skill tree. Exactly what Brandon said. I know what's on the skill tree. I know what it could be. But, like, I don't have that stuff written out. I don't have to be written out what everyone's going to do or say. And then you make a decision on the spot. I mean, I think everyone also has to remember that, like, the downtime episodes specifically are like the most out of narrative episodes, like in the mm-hmm. game episode, because like we have to decide how we want to play the game, not necessarily what our characters want to do. So like, yeah, of course there's going to be a little bit of like improv and figuring out. And then like, so like we decide what we want to do and then how to play the scene. Like that's the most that we'll get on those during those kinds of episodes. So of course there's going to be a little bit of that. Yeah, we don't tell Eric or even each other necessarily what we want to spend the Amber on or the XP on in advance. We show up and do it. And... Yeah, and sometimes people make choices with the Amber and it goes in a particular way. <laughs> yeah. I'm not looking at my players specifically uh, about choices they've made with the, <laughs> choices made with the Amber, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. I, weird, I just dug a hole, pulled up a chest and opened it and there's a note that's just a slut on it. <laughs> oh, oh, interesting. Oh, Mandy. Always fun. (laughs) This is actually a great time to read Library Check's question, which is, I was wondering what part of the skill tree the crew most wants to explore next. Okay, so I to give you an update on what you've done so far, you have dig and rolled once, which is four. So one, two, three, five, and six are still there. Doctor Doctor is full at the moment in that we have religious Havana at the moment, and maybe that will gain more as the campaign goes. So that one's kind of set at the moment. Magnolia Network is still not touched. Lords of the Manor is still not touched. Monster Wrangler is not touched. The Putts and Puppets Pirate Palladium is not touched. You have one in ship shape now that you have a shipwright, and that has three different upgrades spanning off of it. And then ones you can do kind of continuously are you can unlock an NPC's backstory, and you can always, like, hold on to the amber if you so choose. Yeah. We still haven't looked at the restaurant guy at all. One of us needs to go next time we're here to the Outback Steakhouse. Yes. <laughs> and I am so excited about the monster wrangler. I need to meet Big yeah. Crib. And that is the thing. I, you know, Troy's been taking one for the team a bunch, but that's, that's something that if we have an extra amber floating around, I will advocate for. Yeah, definitely. I want to unlock the backstories of Aubergine, definitely. And... Yeah, Monster Wrangler for sure. Obviously, I want to dig and roll all of them. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I don't know. I'm, I want all of these, I guess. Um, I know. I know. It's hard. I think the one we haven't touched yet the that I particularly want to invest more in is the Putts and Puppets Pirate Palladium. Yes. And I, I really, I, I know this was kind of a, a thing that I thought, and I'm open to being wrong, but I do think that by sort of improving things around the hold and kind of doing soft power in that way, it'll give us, if not like an actual unlocking a sort of like narrative leg up when becoming Lords of the Manor and getting to a place where we can, you know, earn <laughs> earn passive income, sorry to say, or at least, you know, bring the folks of the hold firmly behind us. I, I definitely want to do over the long term. But in, in the meantime, listen, the uh, the Sea Whip is feeling pretty low in HP to me. So I, I think <laughs> that a kind of continuing to upgrade the ship itself um, is also a pretty smart use of our amber. Right. Which Just so you know, the shipwright has the ability to heal the ship. Yes. The Sea Whip still only has three points of HP. Yeah. We need we need more HP. Yeah. So the answer is everything. <laughs> We're excited. Everything. The answer yeah. is everything. God, I want to talk about Aubergine for a second. Oh, my God. That yes. was my, that was so much fun. That was great. <laughs> Get, getting another crack at the French accent. <laughs> and, <laughs> so and the hat at the cloak. Cammy just wants to be friends so bad. The attitude was just uh, chef's kiss. Thank you. I know, mm-hmm. truly incredible. When we said when, when we said the same thing at the same time, <laughs> I laughed hard out loud <laughs> hearing it again. Oh, oh goodness! Oh goodness! And uh, our final question from the downtime at Malignant Sloth asks: Is everyone excited about their new level abilities? And is Troy excited to shoot bomb arrows more than you know, folks? <laughs> more than you could possibly know. So excited. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I don't I don't have any anything else to say except for uh watch this space. <laughs> you got so much stuff, Brandon. <laughs> I've I've got some exciting third level spells that I am keeping close to the chest until I can use them. Yes. And also the hex that I unlocked with mm-hmm. my new level. I am so excited to do shenanigans with. I cannot stress to you how excited I am about it. I'm very stoked to see that come out. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, we also have some great uh, game and character questions and also some about the podcast itself. So this one is from Spaceman Got Games, and they have a quick world question. Do cryptids exist in Vertistello? What do we think they would be if so? I think cryptids definitely exist in Vertistello. I think Eric and I have talked about that privately before, mm. whether or not cryptids yeah. exist in Vertistello. Like, particularly, that w- I think that was the same conversation we developed Baba Rutabaga with. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to see if we, we see more of them in the future. Are cryptids the same thing as, like, monsters? Like, drag- like here be dragon kind of thing? Or are they different? Yeah, no, I, th- I would think that they are, if only because, like... You know, it's a it's a creature that there are stories about, and whether or not the stories are true or not is kind of like the fun part of cryptids. Hmm. I, Eric's going to give you a who can say, which is why I jumped in there real quick. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's funny what Amanda said about like the societies of Vertistello dealing with the world in which it exists. Like, of course, stories come out about creatures that exist, but at the same time, it's like, well, if you see sea monsters all the time. <laughs> what is it? What does a cryptid mean, mm-hmm. right? So I'd say yes. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, we already saw one. Is the goddamn is the is the anglerfish? So we'll yes. see. Oh yeah, and our big crab. Yeah, big crib. Big crib. Although, 
I don't think our big crab maybe is necessarily. I don't know, but he doesn't feel special. He just feels like he's a big crab that lives. He's near a us, giant you know? crab that eats ships. Brandon, he's special to us, but mm. no one seems to be that particularly like phased by him. So like, I feel like maybe there's lots of quote unquote lots of big crabs. You know, living right? Around. Like if you got off in, it's like, oh yeah, you're gonna come visit me in Portland. Yeah, get off exit six, avoid the Bigfoot, and then just like take it a few miles down. Like, yeah, Brandon, is come that on. a is that a cryptid? You know, I I yes. agree with Bra- I agree with what Brandon's putting there. Yeah, like, unexplored I parts of like the depths I think are very common. Yeah, Simran Dewani wants to know: Is Cammy going to make a friendship bracelet for Audrey the Rotten Queen? <gasps> that would be so cute. Of seaweed. I want to do it now. Weave it and then dry it. It was so cute. That would be really cute. Dominique asks: Could Aubergine maybe make hats for Troy and Umby based on Cammy's hat? Pretty please. <laughs> that would be cute. What if we all had matching little outfits? Oh, I'm just supposed to do things whenever you tell me to. Oh, I guess I, I am. Oh, I am fast food. I am Jesus. Like, oh, it's magic. It's coming out of nowhere. Fine. We would pay you. I would kill to have us three have matching. You know those like um like classic sailor outfits that like kids will wear in mm-hmm. cartoons or whatever. Yes. Like yes. <laughs> matching yes. outfits like that. That would be amazing. Brandon, yes. Brandon, yes. Well, Brandon, uh, yes. Uh, Brandon, Dominique was thinking along the same lines um, because they also suggest Troy maybe could sell a photo calendar of him in sexy positions for good Amber. If that's how we unlock like soft power on the... <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate this. If, what if Lords of the Manor, our first step there is like, yeah, we want everyone to like like and respect us, so we're going to sell like sexy calendars of Troy. Incredible. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. At Face Valley wants to know, Eric, when you say the four plant nations in the intro, do you mean for us to think of Avatar The Last Airbender? Yes, I explicitly yeah. wrote it to be like that, yeah. <laughs> Very yes. Also, I mean, you know, Avatar The Last Airbender pulls from anime constantly. It's like, I mean, I saw the thing is like, you know how Spaghetti Westerns were just called Spaghetti Westerns because they were all filmed in Italy? Mm-hmm. Someone called like this type of, that style of, of show, like hamburger anime. Because <laughs> it's like Ameri- <laughs> straight up American ones. And that's that's literally what uh, Avatar The Last Airbender is. The introduction of One Piece, te- reminding people what the point of what we're doing here is. Every episode I thought was really important. Like the pre, like the this pre-intro to every single theme song. I, I just, I, I, it was important for us to have in the show. Yeah, I love it. And I know this is a, a choice that we talked about once and, and haven't like revisited, but ending the show with the shanty again is just wonderful and makes it feel like truly uh, another episode on the Great Salt Sea. Um, and I love it a lot. Mm. Hell yeah, bro. Sneaky Sloths asks, y'all made comments and jokes about if I die, this is my new character. (laughs) Which which has got me thinking, has a character ever died in one of your campaigns, but you decided that's bad for the plot and kept them alive? No judgment either way. Just curious if that's one of the things you wouldn't change, even if you felt it might negatively impact the story you told. This is really fascinating because it would never occur to me to say, no, I don't want this character to die. If maybe, maybe, you know, this is one of those things where you do such a good job, Eric, and I've almost exclusively played games, you know, that you have run. But if it got to that point, it would feel like it was earned to me. And dealing with the consequences would be, I don't know, like not dealing with the consequences would feel false. But that's just me. Yeah. I would trust Eric implicitly, like in handling that situation really well. If the, you know, if the dice rolls led to one of my characters dying, like, 
I know you would handle it in a way that was both satisfying to the audience and also devastating. So, and then it would, you know, I, I like the opportunity to like maybe mix things up and, and play a different character and whatnot. So like as much as I would hate to see Cammy die, if narratively it made sense and like, you know, these things happen and especially in a pirate campaign where the stakes are extremely high. Yeah, like we would figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. No, it's never happened. Yes, I would trust Eric. But I saw Eric, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't feel like the Eric Silver cinematic universe involves a lot of dramatic deaths. <laughs> Maybe like getting lost in a void or something, you know, but like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the closest we've come is Amanda getting dipped into the time sea and then having to totally like revamp your character yeah. in a different timeline like and that's an ambiguous end to campaign two where i have my opinions but people can kind of draw conclusions yeah but you didn't like it wasn't in the middle of the campaign where yes. you then had to change a character and play someone new for the rest of the campaign yes let me say two things about my yeah my theory on this to build on what brendan said one is I think y'all have chances to do wild things and have dramatic moments that don't involve death. I think if you have to wait for death to do it, you might be uh, putting a little bit too much sauce on your enemies. And now I got to kill my player for them to understand that, like, choices have consequences. Second thing, that's not how I run combat a lot. I think that there are so many opportunities, very little, very few opportunities. Would it be you, the three of you are in a death match with no way to get out. I just don't think that that's how fights work. I don't think that's how battles work. I don't think that that's how narratives work in general. I don't love that. And then the, the, the addendum to that, I am not easing off of the pedal at all. But the addendum to that is also, we don't have a full healer ever because there are three players here. Like, so, and also death is so squishy in high fantasy because there's always a, a cleric there. <laughs> so, I mean, we're going to see what happens with Havana if you have a doctor on board, but, you know. I, I trust Eric to give us more interesting drama. Mm -hmm. Like, there's so many more ways to, to inflict conflict and pain and suffering on your character than just killing them. You know? Exactly. Stakes, yeah. And then you have to live, and then you have to keep living. Right. Like, that's how I feel. I don't know if that's, like, my Jewish narrative stuff, that, like, people need to live with their consequences, and you don't get to die and go to heaven, and just, you're, and you're out, and then you're a martyr. Like, that's just not how I think, or whatever, but I yeah. care much more about making someone make a really hard decision, and then have to live with it. That's I've infinitely more dramatic and interesting. Totally, I agree. Yeah, but Eric, what if I choose to play the martyr class from Valda's Fire <laughs> Secrets? Then that's a little bit too crunchy for an actual play podcast, Julia. <laughs> we'll have a conversation. But oh yeah, of course they can die. It just it just doesn't happen a lot. Umbi got down to zero. We we can't ignore that. Yes. We did not ha really have a healer. If Cammy was in a much worse situation, then we would have had a problem. Yeah. Because that guy was underneath ceiling rubble with zero HP and someone needed to go get him. So like it just so happens. I wonder who put him there. Who's counting? But you know, Umbi was at zero underneath a pile of rubble, and then I don't know. One of my uh, my colleagues and friends <laughs> and people who I share a boat with simultaneously healed both you went and Piney to go, at the same no, time. No, went yeah. to go heal someone else first. An enemy who made sure you were okay before we diverted any energy to Sorry, Piney. Troy said a tight action movie line before any of that shit happened. You're right. You're right. <laughs> That's true. You gotta get. You gotta find your light. It makes everything more, you know, more effective when you just like deliver it, you know, dramatically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So I, I just think that like the dice roll, there have been a lot of precarious situations where if one thing went differently, it would have been a problem. Like you can look through campaign two. I've said this a lot. If something went differently, someone would have been dead. It just keeps on happening. The dice tell a story, y'all. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. That's it. We just shape it and put in barrel facts when required. <laughs> can I also point out you guys were in such a scary situation at the end of episode two? Yeah. You were in such a bad situation. You are level three. There was a set of cultists around you and a monster waiting to ready to get at you. And some nat 20s got you out of this goddamn situation. I just, keep, I just want to point out. I just want to point it out. What if this, this campaign ended on episode two and we just died? Yeah, we got a little party kill and we all had to reboot with It would have been a cold open to the campaign. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, I mean, it's true. Listen, we're having fun. And like, maybe that's the, you know, the culture of pirates and the way that like the Great Salt Sea deals with the, the nearness of death in its own way, where, you know, we have fun and all's fair and love and piracy. And sometimes you come back with fewer crew than you left. With. Well, apparently our pirate crew isn't close to death ever. So whatever, guys. <laughs> not you, Eric. No, not me. I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm chilling. I'm sitting. We'll see. We'll see. It's a lot of fun. All right, folks, are we ready for a little spoiling of the plank before we say farewell for today? Yar. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Avast she. All right, Malignant Sloth says, Troy is described as a butterfly gunman with clipped wings in the intro, but he hasn't really mentioned it. Even when cleaning and sunning them, he didn't point out anything different about them. Am I taking a metaphor for a butterfly who doesn't use his wings too literally, or is there something that's happened and we just haven't heard or explored it yet? Amanda. Can I get this one, honey? No, you said, yeah. Who can say? <laughs> I honestly don't know. So I yeah, we don't know. From Aiden Encrypted. I know you used to have guests on campaign one, but have you ever considered guests for campaign three? Who can say? Who can say? I mean we had Could guests. You say? We had guests because we had two players. But uh, <laughs> which is why we did that. I am working on something to have guests. Oh. Putting guests into regular episodes is difficult. Because I felt like we were really throwing them into a narrative, especially. Yeah, it's like here's 40 episodes of context before. Yeah, before yeah you and, come then, in. and then the choices you make really scare people. That's, I mean, I hear that from all the time from folks all the time. I think like through like Halflings deals with this the best since they're like a variety stuff and they do it in a an anthology wise. I am trying to think of a way to get some other people into Vertistello, and I think that I have a really interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Just put them in the ground and water them, Eric, and they'll grow. That's how it works. Even with the bugs. Little kiss on the nose. (laughs) 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 Linton Parker wants to know, if Umby's been repairing the boat and found the bottle instead of Troy, would we now have two Umbies? Get at this a little bit. And the answer is who can say? Who's to say that you don't already have two Umbies and you just haven't met one yet? (laughs) I think someone did ask if we were going to meet Umbies siblings at one point. That was Colin, yes. Yeah. So maybe... Maybe. Into Maybe the Umbiverse. Umbi's a twin. <laughs> Into the Umbiverse. Across oh, the Umbiverse. Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> Just a bunch of old men. Just different old You men. three seeds, I have three seeds. <laughs> what? It's just that conversation of me and Brandon in Umbi in his head, but for an entire episode. Oh, I want to see the idea that, like, yeah, the camera pans across the sea of Umbies, and they're all just looking at each other going, what? What'd you say? What? what if we all played umbies? What if we all played umbies? All umbies. Oh my God. Listen, if um if Lefty wants to make an animatic of it, we'll make it. We'll make it. <laughs> uh, umbi alone was the thing I was trying to think of. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, folks. And finally, Mage wants to know, yes or no, Eric, do you know what the salmon is? Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Not even a who can say. Yeah, bruh. Oh, no. Mm. I feel like I'm perched on the edge of the plank, and then I was taking steps forward, and now somebody's like, I mean, you can do whatever you want. And I'm like, what? No, I pushed you off the plank. <laughs> You're in the water now. Uh, yeah, of course you do. Oh, Eric, boy. you know they said the salmon, capital S, not just salmon, right? Oh, spicy salmon rolls? Was that what yeah. you were talking about? Spicy, crunchy salmon? Oh, I was thinking about lunch. Sorry. Um, okay. No, I uh, yes, I do know what the salmon is. I also want to say, I'm having so much fun playing during the party right now. And, like, I'm holding myself to a higher level. But, like, you know, there's also, like, me showing that to all of you and you all participating and making it interesting and, and fun. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, again, these three episodes are great. But I'm also really excited for what happens next at the Bullseye Games. I'm really stoked about everything. And it's getting, I like, oh, this is going to be a 15 episode arc. <laughs> but I like, I keep, I keep thinking about all this stuff. I'm really, I'm really enjoying uh, how they, the show's going. Tell your friends, tell your lovers. Hey. Tell hey, your bud. parents, tell your siblings. Hey, bud. Us too. We're really enjoying Us it. too. I have never had more fun role playing than I, I am in this campaign. It's amazing. Troy Riptide, baby. Amanda's just truly unlocking. No thoughts, just vibes. No thoughts, just vibes. I, I'm going to say this out loud because I think I've been doing it and I want to keep doing it. Every single episode of Join the Party, I would love to do something that like people have never seen before in an actual play. And I think yeah, I've dog. been doing it over the last few episodes. I, sometimes it's the skill tree and then that's the thing and that things that are growing, things I've already put in the put in the ground, seeds that are blooming. But like I truly think that every single episode I'm doing something that no one has really seen in a, in a, in a popular actual play show. And I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm feeling really good about all that. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. I think we did something in the most recent episode that we recorded that I have never seen another actual play podcast. Yep. And I am so excited for people to hear it, yeah. especially because Amanda says something that literally made everyone on the call die. <laughs> it's incredible. It's so good. It was a TPK of the actual players. That's yeah. true. Yes, it yep. was. It was us. Yeah. Sorry, now we're all playing Cranberry Box, so... That's how what we came back in. <laughs> I, I want to tease some of this stuff. Like we've seen some of this stuff in video, but some of this stuff has never been done in audio before. Definitely not on a podcast. And like being yeah. able to render some of the, the best things about playing tabletop RPGs and also like what people have done in video for actual play. I think we're, I'm, we're getting a lot of that. And I'm, I'm feeling really good about that. 100%. I think you are so inventive. I think Julia is an S-tier player. I think Brandon's sound design is bringing the experience of playing this game that you've been invested in for years with your friends to folks who are not themselves players, which is incredible. And what makes this uh, this genre so impressive. And I am about a third of the way through my barrel book, and I have many more <laughs> chapters to go. Yes. So folks, get excited, man. There's, there's, there's only bigger and better coming down the pike from Join the Party. Maybe Ooh. we should do a tier list on the stream sometime of our of our join the party characters of the past. That could be interesting. It could be fun. So is everyone agreeing not to be offended when Tuna wins or <laughs> <laughs> I can be I, I you don't have to use NPCs. It would be players only. I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's we'll good. Eric out. gets to pick one per campaign. Yeah, I'll pick one my favorite MP I'll pick my favorite NPC for sure. That sounds fun. Or yeah. the one I had the most the one I had the most fun playing as, yeah, for sure. I mean Aubrey, I don't even know who my favorite NPC is right now. No, I'm having fun playing Arello. I'm having a lot of fun playing Aubergine. I'm having fun playing Harold oh and Havana. Yeah. Like all the enemies. I had a lot of fun playing Piney. And I was just coming up with like single use characters is fun, like the cranberry bog. 
and and piney and what I came up with mm-hmm. piney in the first place. So I'm just I'm I'm really enjoying myself. Hell yeah, dog. Hell yeah, you're doing a great job. And hey, if you are all caught up and you're like, oh God, I need more from these people's twisted minds, we have fresh and ready the one shot derby, Battle of the Brontes, full length one shot, not just audio folks, video. That shit was edited. That shit has a background image. That shit's in 1080p (laughs) and it's available for all patrons to either listen to or if you want to deal with existential horror of hearing our voices come out of our faces. Videos available for all patrons. Go ahead now. Patreon.com slash join the party pod. Go check it out. Maybe one of us is dressed like an old Victorian ghost. Maybe we're not. Who can say? It was me. I want to remind everyone how much fun it was that the three of you really committed to your voices, and and Mary's voice was Eric Silver. <laughs> it sure was. It's like it's like I'm giving myself hey, a man, treat. You do voices every single episode, and a you lot a of break. them. Yeah, you deserve that break. Yeah, uh, I just thought it was I thought it was funny with Angel terrorizing me. I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Come on incredibly fun so go ahead join the patreon and uh listen to or watch battle of the brontes well until next time folks have a good one bye bye later may your rolls trend ever upward see you later sluts Woo! <laughs>